This episode is sponsored by Code Chrysalis, Tokyo's number one coding bootcamp. See what a Code Chrysalis education can do for your future. Change your life and learn how to code. Welcome to another episode of Tokyo Speaks. I am your host, Cliff. Um, if you're new to the podcast, uh, Tokyo Speaks is a podcast that focuses on the international community. And we highlight, uh, you know, all the cool, interesting and amazing things that um, people are doing out here in Tokyo. All right. Uh, I have two uh, amazing guests on the show today. One will be a guest co-host and one is the featured guest. And I'll let my guest host introduce herself first. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much, Terrence, for inviting me back. Uh, my name's Yan Fan. I'm the co-founder and CTO of Code Chrysalis. We're a coding boot camp in Tokyo. Uh, so if you're interested in learning how to code or, you know, feel free to check us out, codechrysalis.io. Thanks. I see that you are featured um, in Google's initiative, new initiative called Women's Will. Oh, yeah. Google has like a, a Women Will initiative, just a project that they have highlighting um, women entrepreneurs, experts, etc., um, all over the world. And I was, yeah, they reached out to me. I was very honored that they that they found me um, and they featured me on uh, recently on a panel about business development. Um, so, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty cool getting that notice. Um, and yeah, if people are interested, it's just women will one word. And uh, they're on Instagram. So you can check out all the interviews there. There's also a lot of other um, cool women doing really awesome things all over the world. So I was featured with um, an Indonesian entrepreneur uh, doing a, a beverage company. So yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> thanks for thanks for remembering, Terrence. You're so good with social. Yeah, you know, I try to be. Um, what else? Uh, speak her. Talk about that. Oh yeah. So um, with uh, two wonderful uh, friends of mine who are just rock star software engineers, uh, uh, Tucci Quintella and um, Ann Kilzer, we started uh, an initiative called Speaker. It's a project. And, and by the way, Speaker is spelled speak and then H-E-R. Um, and it's uh, just focusing on trying to find women uh, speakers in Japan, because of course, we always have a problem in Japan of having manals, right? All male panels. Uh, <laughs> I love and, that word. <laughs> yeah, manals. Lots of manals here, not just in Japan, but around the world. Mm. And a common excuse that we get is, well, there weren't any women. And we, of course, know that that's not true. Um, there's lots of women experts out there and people just need to, you know, get out of their own little networks and and find find those women and give them the same opportunities that men have. Uh, so it's uh, essentially just a list of women willing to speak and the topics that they can speak on. Uh, so check it out. Uh, right now we're just focusing on Japan. It's speak her h e r dot j p. If you want to check it out, I've actually uh, I nominated someone. Oh, did you? Cool. Maybe, maybe a week ago. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 And today's feature guest is also listed on that. She is. In that directory, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're going to have her introduce herself.
Hello, everyone. My name is Amina, and I'm a co-founder and CEO of a company called Formata, which was founded about a year ago. And what we do is there is a blooming new industry called femtech、um, happening mainly in the U.S. and Europe, and we're trying to bring all sorts of exciting products,、uh, femtech product, to Japan, and then trying to sort of like flourish that new industry here in Japan as well by providing access for people who want to use it here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I've been following for for Mata. For Mata. For Mata. Okay. <laughs> It's a musical symbol. Ah, gotcha, gotcha.、Right. Yeah, so yeah. I've been following Formato for a while.、Uh, I believe it's all good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, dropped ahead, grab, grab a, I dropped a bottle cap. <laughs> it's、Sorry. all good.、Um, who was it? Jimmy.、Mm. So shout out to Jimmy from On One.、Uh, he introduced me to、uh, Formata, and I've been following the company and really like what、Thank、what you. you're doing. Yeah,、Thanks. yeah. So what is Formata, and yeah, what's the mission? Yeah. Well, the the vision is turning turning taboo into triumphs. So, as a company, we want to identify like a social taboos that we all share but don't really want to talk about, simply because it's a taboo. But then, because it's a taboo, there hasn't really been a business around it, or the business that, for example, women's wellness is one taboo. Or sexual wellness is a taboo, and business around it, or business do exist, but they tend to be sort of in a gray zone.、Mm. But I think there isn't a business opportunity there. So what we trying to do is sort of identifying these taboos and coming up with a business so that it turns into an excitement. Gotcha.、Rather. We say,、uh, you know, so there's the term femtech,、yeah. right? And it's probably probably self-explanatory, but What is femtech for those people out there who haven't heard、right. of this term? I should have explained that first, right? <laughs> no worries. No, so femtech is a term that sort of created in 2000 or sort of started emerge in around 2012. It's a word that combines female and technology. So any products or services that uses technology to sort of like、uh, improve women's health and sexual wellness. It used to be a term that used between entrepreneur and、uh, investors. So the story, the the very there's a very famous story that in around 2011 and 12 there is a period tracking app called Clue, and the founder is Miss Ida Ida San.、Um, I think she's from Denmark, but founded a company in Germany. I think I read an article with her. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so、yeah. she tried to raise money, but then、uh, a lot of investors still is 95% are male, and it's not that. It's their fault, but they just simply don't understand why it's important to track menstrual cycle. And a lot of questions she got asked was, "Is it going to make money?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so around the time, you know, fintech, edtech, all these terms were becoming quite a thing. So she was like, "Oh, I'll just make up a word, femtech." And so it looked like there's a new industry, and it looked like there's money sort of going towards.、Uh, Femtech, but I guess in the recent years in Europe, states, and also in Japan, the term sort of emerged as more like a movement around、um, recognizing that women's health and sexual wellness has been considered a taboo. So let's try to sort of change the sort of understanding around it. Yes,、yeah. thank you for that definition. <laughs>、yeah. I think it's it's also not just a taboo, but also something thought of as like not important, right? Right, right. because men don't have menstrual cycles, so they don't really understand like the changes that our bodies go through, the things that we have to, as women, we have、mm. to keep track of. Yeah, 
And I was one of those men um, <laughs> <laughs> until, you know, I did a episode a while back with uh, uh, Period at Tokyo. It's a group uh, that focuses on menstrual health right. and um, fighting taboos. And When I did that episode, I learned a lot uh, from the featured guests and from the guest hosts. So I, I can definitely see how um, femtech can be this thing that men don't understand or don't even have any interest in understanding right Right. but i guess when there's a you know when there's a business and the money starts to go in and and that comes with some respect and there are men the increasing number of men who's interested in sort of be a part of the whole movements and which is great yeah Yeah. that includes you as well right yeah 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 i'm definitely interested Mm -hmm. yeah so so you wanted to start this company in Japan, because there was a uh, a lack of, I guess, femtech um, presence. Yeah, yeah. So it all came together. Um, so the whole I start thinking about starting a company like five years ago, four years ago. I wanted to do something. I was in academia before, and mm. I kind of got bored <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> writing up my thesis. And I always was interested in studying my own, but I just didn't know what it was. So I left uh, my academic uh, career and then moved to uh, venture capital called Misoto at the time to sort of figure out what is this like to you know start a company. I had no idea how to. And then around that time, I just sort of I came across this new term, Femtech. There's a company that the Misoto in- wanted to invest in. And then what I found was there's no access to it. Mm. So there's a lot of different companies emerging around the world. But how do people who don't speak English, for example, or um, yeah, have access to it. So I don't know if I'm making sense, but I'm no, trying to sort of it. started a company that around uh, not creating my own service or products. A lot of people ask me, "Is Farmata going to create a product anytime soon? Like, is is not your business model?" And I'm like, "No, no, we're just being a bridge between people and um and products and companies." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, what type of products do Farmata offer? Yeah, so mainly um, femtech is initially I was interested in in product that really using technology. Mm. So there's a company called Bloom Life in the U.S., which was actually featured in Close Up Gendai at NHK a couple okay. of days ago. Yes, um, I saw that. So it's um it's a product. It's like a little a monitor you can put it on once you're pregnant. You can put it on tummy. And then it's the first, the world first uh, contraction monitor. So if you think about wow. it, in the medical world, there hasn't been a big data mm. that track contraction because it has been impossible. But that now there is, and hospital doctors can sort of monitor how um, their patients or pregnant women are doing, like from home. Mm. And then based on based on this data, now they can predict when the baby is going to be born. Or whether if there's a chance of like um, early delivery, if the data is shared with a let's say an ambulance or a taxi company, taxi could arrive at a at your doorstep before <laughs> when the baby is about to. So like all small smart city concept, that is actual sort of femtech femtech okay. product. But uh, what we're doing in Japan is looking more into like a simple product. Like there are underwears that we can use without using pat for example yes or like a menstrual cup yes that is very similar to tampon but we don't have to throw it away all the time yeah so there's two type of products that we're looking at i think now i've read that cups are not 
used that much here in Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had to buy mine from America. Exactly. Oh, you do. But yeah. I think people are interested, in, and and they're not they um they've heard about it, but they just don't know where to buy or they. It's interesting how I I did a pop up store in Osaka mm-hmm. like a couple of weeks ago, and and I was selling underwear, but I also had cups there. And people come and they're like, "What is it?" And they want to touch it, and they're like, "Oh, I've heard about it." And then mm. most of them do buy. Oh, okay, really? That's yeah. exciting. Wait, yeah. how do they hear about it? Well, I think they just, you know, the the young young people, especially the I guess Instagram, SNS, and mm. it's the information is just global. Yeah. Now the That's people great. just share and yeah, so they just there's simply a no place now where people can physically touch the product in Japan. That's why I started a store in Nogizaka as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and you know, I think uh, you know when you talk about like women's health and pro- uh, tech products that um, I guess are geared towards that. It's interesting that how even women sometimes are not even aware of yeah. what what's out there. Yeah, right? exactly. So when I was doing PhD, I was doing health economics and um, pu- public health health economics, and what I was mainly doing is sort of. Uh, come up with policies to ease access to these medical products or pharmaceutical products. Because a lot of money goes into investment as an investment, product come up. But then in order for the product to reach users or patient or whoever, mm. cost is one of the big problems. So that's why there's a insurance policies, right? Yes. And how how to use, like where to buy it, and all that sort of limits access. So I guess... What Farmat is doing now really is um, probably I'm just basing what I was doing in, ba- you know, in academic world as well. That people are not really aware that there are actually a lot of barriers for before product actually reach to users. And these uh, fintech founders also are not aware of it. They think that once they, you know, come up with a product, people will just use. But where, like, you know, they can't even find it. So mm. the access part, I think, is the key of what we do now. Mm-hmm. And and you said so these markets are are, are much uh, they they're much bigger in Europe and United States, right? I think I get a question a lot like why products or femtech products are not yet sort of available in Japan or mm. it's not as expanding. I think Japan is doing pretty well so far. You know, like in the U.S., you send me photos, right, of the um, yeah. menstrual products, but. Yeah, for the for the listeners, I I went to the U.S. in July, which or August or so. So you know, during COVID, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> and uh, it's been it hadn't been a long time since I'd last visited, but it was the first time that I like actually went grocery shopping and stuff while in the U.S. And I went to a Target and was just amazed by the array of feminine products, everything from tampons, pads, you know, all these different brands of menstrual cups and like washes. And I was amazed, like it was aisles and aisles. And so I took some pictures and I actually (laughs) sent them um, to Amina to just be like, oh my God, can you believe all of this? Like I was sending it to all like all of my like female friends and my women friends in in Tokyo just because I think we're in this little microcosm and we forget what it looks like outside of Japan. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, Yan, uh, about that, like shopping for um, 
you know, women products here versus in the States. So obviously there's a big difference in, I guess, like variety. and Yeah, huge difference. Yeah. And, you know, it, it wasn't like that when I was growing up. I think it's been a recent development. And Last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely since I moved to Japan. So maybe like <laughs> three-ish years where like the feminine products have also not just gotten, you know, we don't just have more variety, but it's just like the care that's gone into things like the packaging. And, you know, there was a lot of like empowerment stuff, like, you know, your your pain is real, like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. be strong, like yeah. that, that kind of stuff. I just had never mm. really seen that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that ha that sort of movement hasn't arrived in Japan in Japan yet. Mm -hmm. But I always tell people that it's this country is fascinating. Like for example, when we open up the store, um, NHK or this big um, news uh, people came right, yeah. and then they filmed the store, and it went on like six a.m. and six p.m. Uh, news, evening news, and one show had like one the lady had um pick up a product, and basically on the TV. It, they said, what do you guys think this is? This is female vibrator. It <laughs> went on the show at 6 p.m. in Japan. And I was thinking, this would never happen in BBC. Yeah. So I guess it's a taboo in this country, but it's not like Japanese are not Christian originally. Or mm. So 100 years ago, 200 years ago, uh, if you look at the Japanese history, sexual wellness part was actually quite open. The people quite openly discussed about these things then apparently like during Edo period hmm. something happened in the last hundred years I don't know <laughs> yeah, America I, the West. I remember walking through museums and seeing like Edo period you know like yeah. there, there's quite a lot pictures. of that yeah, yeah a lot of pictures yeah. so I guess um once we sort of change and it's happening now change sort of like the taboos around women's health into more of a fashion stream or like it's actually cool mm then the whole movement would change quite quickly. I think it's going in towards that direction now, the fact that the TV news uh, broadcasted a female vibrator on the TV news. Yeah. It's interesting. The cultural is different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult to describe because we have, like, there's such, there's so much sex in in a way in japan right through anime through um you know things like maid cafes i mean yeah. there's not sex going on but you know there, it's like very sexualized yes. exactly um there's also what it, yeah so it's it's really strange because and and there's also a lot of women's health clinics dotted all over tokyo mm. right okay, I didn't know and that. that's something that's really different from from the u.s right. where we don't have so many just like clinics specifically for women's health and so it's like both on the surface but also not very talked about in right. japan um like it's like people will have very superficial discussions but it's really difficult to have something deeper right right mm. yeah yeah definitely um you brought me to that this topic i want to talk about of you know things being taboo here and um i guess just it's maybe just a combination of just lack of awareness, education in Japan as well around sexual I think health. So, I mean, I didn't go to school here, so I have nothing to compare to. But mm. my my um my team members who went to school here, they always talk about how they uh, never actually got a proper sexual ed uh, education here. Mm. That it's just on the paper, and then they just go over it like in a notebook, and that's it. Mm. Whereas, whereas I grew up um, outside of Japan, so I guess I had a different education. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Mm. Growing up outside of Japan, 
Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Africa. <laughs> wow. 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 So <laughs> we're, we're in Africa. Yeah, we're in Africa. <laughs> East Africa, place. mainly uh, Tanzania. As a family, we were there for 10-something years. And then my parents moved around to uh, quite a few different other countries like Angola, Cameroon, Zambia, wow. Afghanistan. That's not Africa, but they were there yeah. for like a year. But we we were back in Zambia for the past five, six years or so. Then then back now in Japan simply because of COVID. But I think they'll go back at one point. Wow, so, what an amazing childhood. I know. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Like, yeah. that's such a gift that your parents gave you. That is true. That is true. Yeah, yeah it's the second home mm. or my home. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see it that way before? Because I know usually when you're younger, you don't see it that way as, you know, it being mm. a gift. You're just like, oh, I don't want to move, you know. Why we got to move again? I... Yeah, I, I at one point I guess I kind of sort of started to see it as a not a curse, but then it was it was difficult and challenging, and mm. I realized that I'm actually not having my childhood was not the same as others. Yeah, you were like a military brat, but not a military brat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just moving around. Yeah, and but there are people. I mean, I'm quite lucky. I guess my generation, there are quite a lot of people who move around a lot. Mm. Mm. But if that's twenty, thirty, fifty years ago, it would be different. I think. Okay, mm. so you said. Tanzania, Tanzania, home? East Africa. Yeah, okay. Um, for the listeners, they must have heard of Mount Kilimanjaro, mm. um, Serengeti, Zanzibar, all that. Mm. So, part of Tanzania. so how was that experience? You know, I loved it. Um, sort of my, I, I still remember the first day of school there. I went to international school. My dad basically said, "Just remember, hello, thank you, and goodbye," and he dropped me off at the school, and I was like, <laughs> oh, "Okay." And then I didn't speak a single word of English. I didn't know even know alphabet. Um, and I kind of had to survive when I was about 10, 11. Mm. But yeah, there was no Japanese. Mm. Well, I shouldn't say that. There were a few. Okay. But it was a good environment, I guess, for me to sort of learn English mm. in different cultures. I didn't have anyone else to rely on from the same country. Well, what got you into just, uh, you know, like uh, women's health? What do you think? So it's int- I get that question a lot, and I ne- I didn't even think that I would get into this field until like two years ago, three years, or four years ago when I started thinking about a company. I was simply interested. I wanted to become a doctor first. Mm. Um, growing up in Africa, um, I kind of sort of dream of working at a medicine sans français, you know, like, mm. and um, and then so into pre med. So study a little bit about you know biology, anatomy, and all that, and and I went in, and then I realized well, if I become a doctor, I can actually work globally. Mm. Like at least I have to train myself about ten years <laughs> at a hospital, and I couldn't do mm. that, so I changed my career to global health, and then all that, and then well, so going back to my first story, I then start working at a Misoto venture capital right mm-hmm. after my academic sort of career, and I, and that's the time when I just heard the term. Femtech, but I was also turning to the age 28, 27, and sort of just moved back to Japan. And I don't know whether if it's the environment or my age, but I started to think like, oh, am I going to get married? Or am I going to have kids? So I sort of hit that bar. And just at that timing, um, there was a company from the US called Modern Fertility. Okay. I don't, have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what it does is that it basically, you can buy a home, uh, a kit. Like a home monitoring yeah. kit for yourself. Yeah. Mm. So you don't have to go to a hospital and find out whether, how many, how long you have until you run out of your egg. 
And I thought, oh, wow, if these products avail- become readily available, like that would change my life, my life a lot, as in it would give me some sort of answer. And then I can then decide whether if I want to focus on work or go somewhere else and have a baby. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so, knowledge is power. <laughs> exactly. So that sort of was the start. So my early days of my career, I didn't even think of women's health or I wasn't even interested. But I guess I, I hit the point in, oh, if I have more option or knowledge, I think I didn't have to go through all that. As in, yeah. Yeah, and that's something else that I've learned too is like when I did that episode on menstrual health was that, you know, so many women go through, you know, talking specifically about menstrual health, they uh, go through this pain and they think it's normal. Um, You know, like some women have heavy periods and and, um, that oftentimes, what I've learned oftentimes, it's, um, what what is it, the, they diagnose with the... uh, PMS? No, not... um, uh, oh, um, I know what you're talking fibroids. about. Fibroids. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 So many women <clears throat> deal with fibroids and they don't know that they have right. it. Mm. Yeah. So when I start doing, you know, start thinking about Fermata and then Femtech and there's an interesting fact that I came across um, and it was very surprising to me that we're actually, the, the amount of period that our generation are having is 10 times more than our grandparent generation. So if you think about it, my father's grandmother, I mean, my father's mother, so my grandmother from Malaysia, she had 13 children. So that means, so, you know, once you have children, you breastfeed, you don't really have period for two years or so, right? Mm. So she had 26 years of no period. Wow. So if you count the number that she would have had, or she, the number of periods she had in her lifetime, it's probably around 50 or 60. I have no uh, children now, and if I keep having no children, I'll probably about five hundred to six hundred. Wow, that's so, a lot. So mm. that means the 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 cycle of hormone going up and down, which is physically and mentally exhausting, mm. um, that we have ten times more. So actually, our generation is having more of a physical and a mental sort of not damage but stress from a period than our grandparents. That's interesting. Wow. It's interesting, right? Yeah. yeah. And then if you think about like period research and fertility research and technology just hasn't advanced no. very much, right? Like birth control pills, they're the same from like 30, 40 years ago, mm. right? Um, so I think, yeah, I, I really hope that femtech can be more embraced and especially if, you know, with what Fermat is doing, um, trying to encourage entrepreneurs in Japan to try to do research, right? Japan's right. still a really big research powerhouse. Um, and if they're not paying attention to the significant field that affects 50% of the population, right, yes. right? That's, yes. that's a lot of opportunity that's wasted. The government started to move as well. Um, I got interviewed by the Minister of Economics um, Right, I think it's a long, longer term for that. Okay, right? no, yeah, you Kensa, right. Okay, economics, economics is it Medi? Yeah, Medi. Yeah, economics, okay. trade, and industry. Industry. Anyway, and they actually uh, the way they frame it is that they recognize femtech as an emerging industry. Mm. So oh, they, that's good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So they're doing a whole research on it now. So, and speaking of that, you. Uh, 
you managed to set up a association? Yeah, Giren. Um, I don't know what's a term in English, but it's basically like a group of politicians study group. Okay. With the people from different ministries. So there's a um act I think what's the term in English? Acting Secretary General? Yes. It's that yeah, Miss Noda. Miss Noda, yes. Noda. So she is leading the whole Femtech Giren, um Femtech Association, I'll say. And we do like monthly, we meet we meet up monthly, inviting different uh politicians and ministry people to discuss about mainly about access issues. Mm-hmm. So for example, in Japan, majority are currently using PATS. Yes. And it is recognized as a one carry category within the pharmaceutical affair sort of rules. But then in order to get a license to be able to manufacture or sell PAT is sort of controlled by three mega companies. And it's pretty much that by regulations, uh, a small company cannot enter that market because it's almost impossible to get a license to do that. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And there's another rule, for example, that the government states menstrual product have to be uh, white and also uh, not reusable for safety reason. So, so like, underwears, that, uh, period mm. underwears, mm-hmm. and also menstrual cup, they're currently not recognized that as a menstrual product because it's uh, against that rule. rule. So what the, the association trying to do is just go over that rules, which was made six years ago. Wow. Mm. Yeah. But then at at least things are happening, so... Yeah, do you feel like the this group that you've put together, do you feel like there's progress being made or do you feel like there's still some roadblocks in mindset and thinking from the people um, you have to We only had to? one meeting. Okay. <laughs> I'm having we're having a second one in in December, so ask if you can ask me in about 6 months. <laughs> yeah. Then. So it's fairly new then. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's new. Well, that's a great it's great. It's a start, right? Mm. Um, but wow. There's some interesting uh, findings there. Yeah. Do you feel like your upbringing um, and being kind of an outsider in many ways, uh, do you think that that has somewhat shielded you or empowered you to be able to do something like Fermata in Japan? I think so. Um, I was lucky enough to be educated as well at um, well-known universities and that background also, you know how Japan Japanese people love which university you went to mm-hmm. and all that. That gave me access to a lot of um, high-level individuals. That includes people from academia, medical world, uh, investors. And I guess because I'm not fully Japanese and I grew up outside and with my academic background, they 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 listened. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which which I think would might not be possible if I was just like. A full Japanese, born and raised, grew up here, went to a had a usual life, normal life, um, and then founded Farmata. Like it's, I think it's a different mm. game that I managed to play. Mm. I don't want to sound like a stuck up, but no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, it's true. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. It's 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 unfortunate. It is um, yeah. that you have to essentially get credibility from outside of Japan first in order to gain credibility inside. Right. 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 And yeah, and I'm just thinking, why? Why is that the mindset? Um, if you were 100% Japanese and you grew up here and you wanted to start from out of, why is that? Why is it, it would like be that? difficult? Yeah. Uh, I guess you, well, I was lucky enough to have access to these high level people. Well, and yeah, I that's wouldn't true. have done to. You did say that. And I also have global networks. For example, I managed to start a, a clinical trial with a Department of Women's Health Gynecology at the University of Tokyo. 
and medical war in Japan is a little bit of a hierarchy. So still is medical department at Tokyo, Tokyo University sits at the top. Yes. Mm. yes. In order to get the professor there, and not you kind of have to go from the bottom and get introduced, get introduced. But I knew someone who knew him from outside, a professor in Thailand. And I was like, hey, could you just introduce me? And then he was just like, introduce mm. me to him. And I only had a one meeting with him done. I could play that mm. game a little bit. But yeah. So it's so it's not it's not like anything. It's not just like something cultural. You think it's an issue of access and exca- so. education. And I also don't really have. This is something some um, my member told me, team member told me. But I didn't really have this rule sort of in my head how you have to be introduced by whom and that and mm. how you have to behave. I just like I'm interested in that person. I want to have access. I'm just gonna go and talk to him. You know? <laughs> and um. Yeah, maybe maybe the way I sort of acted, behaved, but also I think there's some cultural thing as well. I yeah. guess. Mm. Yeah, you're not held back as much by cultural norms or no. pressures. Mm. Mm. Basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Your parents, once again. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you to the parents. <laughs> yeah, I had an interesting childhood. I guess. Cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, before we wrap it up, what's what's uh, anything new coming with Ramada? Yeah. So. Um, up until we've been running for about a year and we have a, a one store in Nogizaka and have our online store, but we're trying to focus on two things moving forward. One is in expanding the physical spot that people actually do have access to these products. So we'll be collaborating with uh, lots of department stores and quite well-known sort of pharmaceutical cosmetic uh, stores. So in the next, hopefully, year or two, people will start seeing more product popping up at a, in Shibuya or in Osaka or Fukuoka. And another thing that we're doing is um, we're trying to sort of figure out a platform, some sort, where I'm calling it a bridge, that people can come to and then sort of identify their own or get, you know, identify their own health issues and get sort of like recommended or um, suggested to uh some femtech product because at the moment there's so many and they just don't know what's good for them so i'm just we're trying to work on the physical and an um, online both sort of marketplaces awesome sounds <laughs> great that sounds that makes really sense. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah i'm excited yeah. i'm a user <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> i'm not a user but i'm still excited <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh, products are interesting um when there is a menstrual cup in front of you mm. people start to talk about their menstrual problems mm. But if it's just one-to-one without a product, no conversation happens. Mm. So I'm trying to, you know, create a space where people have access to these products mm. so that more of these talk, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honest sure. conversation will start to march. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, right. yeah, before we wrap up, throw out your socials. Where where can people learn about Framada? Where can they access Oh, I didn't even... Okay, um, so uh, helloframata.com, I think that's our website. Yes, I I believe so. (laughs) And then there is a hello uh, underscore Farmata. That's our Instagram. I think there's a Twitter as well. And our stories in Nogizaka. Cool. I will add those links. Thank you. To the podcast description. And yeah, I want to thank you ladies uh, for coming and joining me on this episode. It's a great fun. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for thanks for having us, and thank you for coming, Amina. Thanks. It was yeah. fun. So it's much nice to do it 
and all this cool setup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, you can catch Tokyo Speaks on all pod, on most podcast streaming platforms. I've been having I've been having an issue with uh, Apple Podcasts recently, so I'm trying to figure that out. I have to like, maybe like resubmit my information, but it, it just like disappeared. Oh no! Somebody contacted me on Instagram. It's like, yeah, um, the only the last episode they have on Apple Podcasts is like. 77 and i'm just like oh wow let me go check that out so <laughs> yeah but you know spotify or you can just go to tokyospeaks.com and check out the episodes there follow us on instagram facebook and twitter that's it thank you yan thank you amina thank you thank you catch you next episode mm-hmm.